got till it's gone. The pit paradise put up a parking lot. All the people an arm and a leg just to see. Don't it always seem to grow that you don't know what you got till it's gone? The pay paradise put up a parking lot. Hello, hello, welcome to The Real World on CITR 101.9 with Dora, I mean Dama, and... And Dora! <laughs> um, we are broadcasting live from unceded Musqueam territory on the UBC campus here in Vancouver, BC. And just a little uh, recap for people that don't know us yet. The Real World is the UBC Film Society's radio show, and we try to connect other clubs and campus organizations through film. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, we are joined today by my friend Sebastian. Say hi. Hello. He's and also a member Sebastian. of the Film Society. Yeah. Yeah, Sebastian is our computer operations next year. So, yeah, he's awesome, and he likes what we're talking about today, which, by the way, is Wes Anderson. So the quirky, awesome director dude that does a lot of cool things. We're talking about him today. <laughs> and, yeah. He's dope, dude. Yeah, what you just listened to was Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell from Canada. So uh, we played this today because Wes Anderson doesn't seem to like having Canadians in his soundtracks, but he puts a lot of like 60s, 70s type music. So this was kind of Wes Anderson-esque, hopefully. It is themed. Yeah. It is a themed thematic choice. Yes. So that's what you just listened to. And yeah, let's just get right to it. What Dora and I did this week was we each watched two 
uh, Wes Anderson films and didn't tell each other <laughs> what films we watched. No, and I'm so excited to hear what films you watched. I've been like, I'm, I'm like really so excited. <laughs> okay, well then, just to keep the keep the suspense up, why don't you go first? <gasps> oh, you tease. Yes. Um, I actually watched three because oh I'm goodness. really dedicated. Wow. I watched um, Rushmore awesome. for the second time. Um, still held up. I watched Bottle Rocket for the first time, which was so good. Oh, and my I God. Just watched, I just watched Darjeeling Limited for the first time as well. And then also, it was weird because I hadn't known, because he made, like, a short film. Oh, God, I'm gonna, it's, like, Hotel Cavalier or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was supposed to be, like, a prologue or preface to Darjeeling Limited. And yeah? I saw that just, like, when I was, like, on a Wes Anderson binge, like, a few years ago. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a second, like... This, like they're con- and it was it was a really weird connection to make and so I watched those three and a half I guess nice I I watched Thank two you. but let's talk about yours first so no no you have to tell me you have to tell me oh my god okay <laughs> you can't <laughs> okay so Sebastian and I watched Moonrise Kingdom for the second time together uh, oh, so yeah that's like my favorite spoiler um and yesterday I watched Darjeeling Limited for the first time. <gasps> oh I was, my god, we're the same. <laughs> I was between Darjeeling Limited and Bottle Rocket. Um, mm. I don't remember why I ended up going for Darjeeling Limited, but that's what I did. <laughs> and I was, was too lazy to watch anything else. But that's know. okay. No, I I'm so I'm think it's pretty funny that we watched both to watch Darjeeling Limited because I honestly was like, Dom is never gonna watch this one. <laughs> like no way. So out of left field. How? Oh. It was like one of the only ones I hadn't watched. I was like, okay, I need to rewatch really? my favorite. So it has to be Moonrise Kingdom. And then I'm like, well, I haven't watched Bottle Rocket or Darjeeling Limited. And I've heard a lot of good things about Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, let's do that. Those were my two that I was missing as well. Like I'd seen except those two. Okay, that That's makes so sense. That's so funny. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Okay, so which okay, one do you so- want to talk about first? Because we should, like, tell people what these movies are about. Oh, my lord. So, I... Okay, I... <laughs> I... I'm going to say, I watched Rushmore when I was, like, pretty young, and I don't think I got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, and I, But I think that I thought that I did. So I was like, oh, yeah, like, this movie, whatever. Um, it's about this student who goes to this private school, and he's, like, king of the private school, like, academically, like, he, well, he's not academically, like, he's in all these clubs, whatever, he does all this stuff, he's in the administration, he has been there forever. He's obsessed and, with the school. Yeah, and, like, it's his, it's his life, and he gets expelled, um, because he falls in love with this teacher, and Wes Anderson antics ensue, um, and in the end, all ends happily, he finds his place in a public school, and the teacher finds love with Bill Murray, and everyone's happy, <laughs> amazing. Um, so that's Rushmore. Um, it was it was definitely weird watching that one in Bottle Rocket because they came like it was it went Bottle Rocket then Rushmore a couple years later, mm-hmm. and Bottle Rocket was definitely more like formulaic. Like it was kind of like like. Beginning, middle, end, like, there were, of course, like, the classic, like, a couple of classic with Anderson shots, but it was a little more, like, I'm making a movie, like, very kind of, 
more like plot driven and not that West movies aren't like plot heavy like obviously stuff is happening but um they're all like kind of like weird kind of like what like yeah i totally see that like yeah 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 so they look like plot points but here they're more like this happens and this happens and like it it is a little kind of like what but it's a little more um i want to say like a little more grounded um Mm -hmm. And then watching Rushmore, which is just kind of like, obviously, like, there's a plot, but it's kind of like, what the heck? Like, this kid. Um, but it, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really cool. No, yeah, definitely. Like, one thing about Bottle Rocket, like, I haven't seen it, but I, like, was doing a lot of research on it, I guess. Um, it was, um, it was like, a short film that he was doing, like, on his own first. Uh, and then it went on to be, like, an actual feature. Um, but yeah, like, I have a huge book of Wes Anderson things that I got from the Film Society, and, like, they just talk about how he was, he planned to just make this short and then keep adding things to it so that it would, like, go into the plot, I guess, um, instead of, like, making the short and then making it into a huge feature, but, but, like... Yeah, they ended up just getting a bunch of money to make the feature right away, which was, you know, cool. Um, Wow, that's nuts. Yeah, I think, like, all the stuff that you're pointing out about, oh, yeah, it's so much more structured, like, it makes sense to me. Like, it was his first, uh, his first feature. So, and the fact that, like, he was building on it in a way where he was just planning to do it as he got the money coming in, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Like just reading about it. Not that I've actually, you know, watched it. But... <laughs> I would recommend it to anyone. Bottle was hilarious. Yeah, and really, like, really good. Mm, fun fact: like um, that's the movie that pretty much launched Owen Wilson and I want to say Lucas. Yeah, Luke, Luke Wilson. That guy. Yeah, <laughs> I keep forgetting it's that they're Owen, brothers. Luke and Andrew. They all um, those the Wilson brothers and Wes Anderson were like neighbors growing up Mm -hmm. and then they just like all got into film and then um Owen Wilson took off and Luke Wilson took off the other brother actually he like stayed on in the industry um but he he's like more behind the scene like he does more production stuff Mm -hmm. which I think is really cool just like all three of them I guess all four of them um but I thought that segue um because that is what I am master of, like, family, like, weird brother tensions mm-hmm. were, like, basically everything Darjeeling Limited was about. Yeah, totally. And it was so, it was so real. Like, I kept being like, oh, like, yeah, my sisters do that. Like, mm-hmm. I get this. Um, and, oh, yeah. like, I feel like the, like, the Wilson brothers' relationship and, like, Wes Anderson, like, in his place in there is definitely a motivator for that. Mm, yeah, I think that's like so interesting. So just to give people context, uh, Darjeeling Limited is, I'm not sure what order of movies it ends up being. It's one of his like middle type films, I guess. Uh, it's yeah. about these three brothers whose like father died a year before the movie is set. And they're like taking this train trip through, I want to say India. It's probably India. Yeah. Um, going through India, like, trying to rekindle their brothership because, or brotherhood, I guess, because they just, like, haven't spoken since their father's funeral. 
And one of them, Owen Wilson, is all like beaten up and no one understands exactly what happened to him, but his face is all covered in bandages. And the other one is like wearing prescription sunglasses when he doesn't have a prescription. And they're all kind of like taking each other's drugs, which is fun. That's just irresponsible. (laughs) That's bad for your eyes. That is just terrible. But yeah, so it's about this like spiritual journey where they try and like reconnect, but not like only one of them actually wants to do it. So I think it's like, just like Dora said, it's very interesting to see the like family dynamics that go on in that movie. Like there's the big brother that tries to coordinate everything. So like that would be Owen Wilson. He just keeps trying to be the one that's in charge. He keeps trying to order for other people. Then there's the one that's just like, oh, I'm so heartbroken. I want to be with my other person. Like, it's fun. IMO, I think that Darjeeling Limited and Royal Tenenbaums, which are both very family-centric, um, like Royal Tenenbaums is about um, this really wealthy family that's so dysfunctional, and, like, they're coming back together and working stuff out um, mm-hmm. super broadly. Um, but they... Both, like, like Wes Anderson, I feel like he obviously has a very good grasp and, like, pretty nuanced understanding of family dynamics and, like, family just, like, kind of dysfunctionality. Um, and I think he's so good at putting it on, on screen because it's, like, mm-hmm. so relatable. It's also, like, it's not too jarring to see. Like, you're never, like, oh, like, was uncomfortable but you're kind of like mm-hmm. yeah like that's a weird family dynamic and it's endearing but also kind of like icky at the same time like I think he does such an amazing job at that oh, yeah I feel like in every one of his movies at least the ones that I've watched like even the ones that aren't centered around family issues you can see a lot of family dynamics in them so like uh the life aquatic is not about family dynamics. It's about a dude whose career is going down the drain and he keeps trying to, like, revitalize it by hunting down this shark. It's, like, almost Moby Dick in its nature. But, like, oh, there's totally. still, there's still oh like, God, I've never made that connection before. Seriously? It's so Moby Dick. I'm pretty sure they talk about Moby Dick in the movie. They're like, <laughs> oh why are you being, God. like, Captain Abraham? Ahab? Ahab, there we go. It's been a while oh, since I've read Moby Dick. Everything makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, have always connected it, I guess. Um, but, yeah, even though it's not about family, you still have, like, the struggles that he has with his wife because his wife used to be with another dude. And then there's, like, his son who may or may not actually be his son and he's never connected with him and now he's, like, the son is on his ship with him. So, like, even though it's about uh, Bill Murray's character, like, just getting around and trying to find himself within his like lost career as a documentary filmmaker there's still a lot of family dynamics that go on and it like the main relationship in the actual movie ends up being the father-son thing that goes on yeah so yeah i thought that um, that was cool yeah no totally and i think that wes anderson um has like I, i feel like it's pretty obvious that like family is really like important and integral to how he kind of like has shaped himself mm-hmm. and like I guess I, I identified with that as well and so like screen is just kind of like very validating I think mm-hmm. um I think it's pretty interesting that I just like didn't <laughs> that I just didn't watch any of his new stuff 
maybe because I've seen it so I was like oh I've seen it like mm-hmm. whatever um but Is what what about me like, sorry new stuff being like the oh, like Moonrise Kingdom yeah like fi- I think of like Fantastic Mr. Fox okay. and Grand Budapest as like newish because like also that's how that's like how I picture Wes Anderson and they're all very like curated and like intentional mm-hmm. like especially Fantastic Mr. Fox like claymation he was able to get like exact aesthetic that he wanted that's so hard to get with like humans you know um but um and like Moonlight Kingdom and Grand Budapest I feel like the visuals play a much bigger part than in um his earlier films which like I mean that's not to say that aesthetics aren't important like obviously they are and obviously it's in every single movie yeah but I think that those last three um Fantastic Mr. Fox Moonrise and Grand Budapest, mm. um, I feel like it plays, like, a massive, massive role and is a huge motivator. Um, no, yeah, I can rest, definitely like, see that. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Um, but what about Moonrise Kingdom makes it, like, stand out so much to you? Okay. For me, like, Wes Anderson isn't, like, he's a master of aesthetic. That's something that no one will ever be able to say anything against. Like, he will, Mm -hmm. he works so hard to get the exact aesthetic that he wants. But to me, like, the characters are what really makes a Wes Anderson film. Like, he has this sensibility to character building in a way that, like, every character has some sort of flaw. And they're kind of strange but you can't exactly point out why they're strange and i feel like that comes almost to a climax in moonrise kingdom um moonrise kingdom is about these two kids that fall in love one of them is a boy scout and the other one is just this kind of like dysfunctional girl um they like meet they fall in love and they like start corresponding just through mail and they decide that they're gonna run away together and the the boy is an orphan and he gets kicked out of his foster home because he's just like run away for the fifth time at this point like no one likes this kid because he's just so strange um and it's about like how they end up building a life together like as they run away and it's just such a disturbing concept to me because these are two 12 year olds and like you see them in the film And they look really young. Like, these are not two people that should be having an intense romantic relationship. But it's portrayed in the film as such a legitimate thing. Like, he presents it so neutrally. He presents it in a way that is like, yeah, of course these two kids are falling in love and running away together. And, like, possibly having sex? Like, what's happening? You don't know. It's just so strange. And I think... It's that kind of weirdness that really, to me, has encased all of Wes Anderson's films. Like, every time that I watch a Wes Anderson film, I just feel kind of disturbed, but happy at the same time. I'm like, I'm not sure if I should be laughing at this specific part, but I feel like he'd want me to laugh, even though it's not something that you should traditionally laugh at. So, like, there's one scene where Bruce Willis, who is a, like, cop in in this movie... Like, he just jumps out and has a huge club with him. And he's like, nobody move. And it's like, this is supposed to be a very tense scene. Like, you're not supposed to be laughing. But it's the most hilarious scene in the whole movie. Like, I cannot deal with how funny that is. <laughs> um, that's pretty interesting. I guess, like, the thing that, like, if you, like, could put a finger on, like, what makes these characters so kind of, like, out there, um, I would say it's, like, they're, like, intensity and like how like individual they all actually are like it seems that they all like developed 
independently of like anyone else and like they have all these like weird little habits and like weird ways of living their lives or like if you saw a person you'd be like what the heck like like it's not like offensive it's not like jarring but it's kind of like like no like don't do that dude like that's not that's not like normal mm-hmm. um but like he puts it in the film and it's like people just react like oh yeah like this is a normal like and now i'm gonna react in my individual like independent mm-hmm. way that's like also, like, a little kind of, like, like dude, like, no. Um, <laughs> like, I can he... totally see that. Like, if you think, uh, now that you mentioned that, I hadn't thought about this till now. But every character in that movie, like, I feel like you could make a movie only about that character, and it would be just yeah. as legitimate. Like, you could make a character profile about each one of the characters in that movie, and it would be an interesting film, you know? But totally. he ends up putting them all together in a way that makes the dynamics so interesting. Which I think is, like, wanna... the art of his films. So I am nodding my head so aggressively <laughs> right now. <laughs> Lovely! Um, Sebastian, what do you think? Sebastian will have things to say because Moonrise Kingdom is his favorite movie of all time. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god, share your wisdom! <laughs> Honestly, when I was re-watching it this time, I had to focus much... Like I focused much more on the colors rather than the characters because mm. the colors are just out, like outstanding. Like Every scene, I could just see the colors pop up. And the way he does it is just incredible. And then again, like... Bruce Willis is my favorite character, and that scene, like right after the thunder, where like every, the the camera and like everyone in that typical Wes Anderson manner, like everyone just moves their head and looks at Bruce Willis. That's like that was golden. I laughed so much at that scene. Yeah, I yeah, think- he does have like a he has a really amazing way of like focusing attention on one point, like mm-hmm. like everyone looking at one thing or like panning to like one spot. Um, I came up, I coined a, a term while watching Darjeeling Limited. There's like a scene where there's a road and a bus is coming and there are people on one side of the road and people on the other side of the road. And it pans, it like focuses on one, pans to the next part, pans to the next part. And I coined the term three point pan. Oh, wow. I'm yeah, so proud of was, you. Thank you. Um, but like the way that he uses the camera to like, focus like like unwavering unwaveringly just like on one specific point um Mm -hmm. it's it's so like unique to him and so powerful Mm -hmm. i think that's like part of like lots of people say like his films are too strict like the way that he makes them like they're so aesthetically perfect that it's almost forced but i feel like the fact that he can almost manipulate his like viewers to see exactly what he wants to see and to pay attention to exactly what he wants you to pay attention at each moment is like because he puts so much into making sure that everything is exactly where he wants it to be because then he has complete control over where you look over where your attention is so i don't know in the royal tenenbaums there's a bunch of little details that go on in the house because uh, it's just like a huge house and you just go like panning through different rooms at different points and there are like details that you shouldn't even be able to see like in a regular movie like there's a point where there's the uh, dalmatian mice that are just running around and 
in most scenes, there's a mouse somewhere running around. And I wouldn't notice that in most films. Like, it's just a mouse running around. It's so small. Like, you wouldn't be able to see it. But he, like, puts the camera in a way that, sure, you can pay attention to what's actually going on and what's the main focus, but you're not going to miss the little detail of the Dalmatian mouse because he wants you to see the Dalmatian mouse. Like, he wants you to see these little Easter eggs that he puts around the film. Easter egg is such a perfect way to describe Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was reading the book, uh, the book that I took out. And there were just a bunch of interviews with him, and they used the term Easter egg a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I like this. I like this a lot. Yep, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I got from the Royal Tenenbaums and then, like, watching a bunch of Wes Anderson in a row, which, like, when the Film Society does Wes Anderson nights, we just show, like, two in a row, and then, like, I'd go and watch a few more. Like, the way that he handles sets and locations to me is just so interesting uh, I was talking about in the Royal Tenenbaums how you go through the house and, like, you see the divisions of the walls, but you, like, go through them into the different rooms. And he does that so much in The Life Aquatic. He does it in Darjeeling Limited with the train. He does it yeah. in a Moonrise Kingdom, like, in that first shot where he's going through Susie's house. Like, in every one of his movies that I've watched, he does this thing where he just goes through the walls. And I think... I don't know, that's something that I really love about Wes Anderson films. I think it's such an interesting way to play with the set because he's letting you know, like, yeah, this is a constructed set. Like, you would not be able to do this in real life. You can't just go through walls with a camera. Yeah, but also, I would argue that, like, he's also kind of seeing, like, a fly-in-the-wall kind of, like, feel. Like, mm-hmm. like this is unfolding. Like, he's letting you know, like, yes, this is a, this is a film, but then also, like, we are, like... Like, the film is taking an act, and the camera is taking an active role in, like, the portrayal, but it's not taking an active role in, like, the action. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of, like, makes it, in my opinion, I would say that it makes it feel very kind of, like, observational mm-hmm. and almost, like, disconnected um, just to kind of be, like, it's, like, in a very intimate dissection mm-hmm of this story and of these people's lives but it's not but like it's just unfolding like and as the and like the audience and the filmmaker is just an observation has an observational role versus in like but like a a known observational role Uh it's he's so he's amazing no yeah i think like uh the fact that he said dissection to me is like perfect because that's how i see it too it's like he just cuts off the front part of the set and lets you look inside, you know? And it's just like, okay, now you're going to look at this room, and then you just watch everything unfold. But there is this dissection kind of, like, very uh, intricate process of just cutting out and making sure that you look at exactly what he wants you to see, but then you just, like, see how everything unfolds, and the characters don't seem like they can be controlled, you know? Like, they're so strange, like, no camera can hold them, (laughs) you know? But cannot be see that. <laughs> Basically. Um, what I really love about Wes Anderson, too, is, like, his recurring actors. Yeah. Like, having, like, Bill Murray in so many of them, Angelica Houston, like, the Wilson brothers, mm-hmm. Ed Norton, which we have talked, who we've talked about extensively. Oh, my days. Ed Norton. Uh, <laughs> all the time. Um, <laughs> like, it kind of makes me, it, like, really endears me to the actors. Like, I'm kind of like, you know what's up. Like, you're with it. You get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, like, it, 
it, it just makes me wonder, like, what are you like, like, as an actor to be like, I want to work with Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like, this particular aesthetic, this particular style is something that I want to be, I want to actively participate in. Yeah, definitely. Like, even uh, in Darjeeling Limited, you know how uh, Bill Murray appears as a completely, like, such a minor character. He appears for, like, a total of one minute, probably. Like, he appears in the in the first scene, just, like, running after a train, and he appears in one of the last scenes, just, like, sitting on the train. Like, this is a very well-known, very, like, talented actor, and you'd expect that he'd have, like, a leading role, as he's had in a lot of other Wes Anderson movies. But in this one, he's just, like, there, you know? He's just another prop, almost. But you can tell yeah. that there's, like, this oh, personal totally. relationship. And he's just, like, like also an actor with that much clout to just be willing to be, like, yeah, I'll be in it. Like, I won't have a name. Just, <laughs> you can just see me. Like, to love that director so much and to love that... that the experience of working with him and the work that he creates, I mean, I think it speaks volumes. Mm-hmm, definitely. But, yeah, I think this is actually, like, a really good note to end on because we have just about, like, 40 seconds to go. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like... Definitely, we have pointed out all the things that we love about Wes Anderson. If anyone has not seen a Wes Anderson film, like, it is 100% at all times recommended. Even if you don't like the actual plot, just the way that it's shot will always be beautiful. That's, like, just a beautiful set of movies to watch. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, I just wanted to thank Sebastian for being on today. It's his first time on radio. Thank you so much, dude. First time Welcome. on radio, so he's kind Thank of uh, nervous. But, you know, he's cool, and hopefully he'll be on a few more times. And, yeah, yeah thank you for listening to us. We'll be back next week on The Real World. And, Dora, are you ready? Oh! Well, shout out, shout out to, to Jeff, Jeff Goldblum! Goldblum. <laughs> cool! Okay, peace. Come out with Pete's pick. <laughs>